eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome in, everyone, to the Coast to Coast Podcast Emergency Edition. You know why we do these. It's when news breaks, and we always try to get it to you as quickly as we are able. I'm your host, Joey Powell, Inside Carolina. On top of things, as always, as Harrison Ingram, a transfer from Stanford University, leaving the Cardinal going from one coast to this coast, which makes it perfect for this show. We're brought to you by Johnny T-Shirt. With me, as always, Sherelle McMillan, Sean Moran. Uh, Harrison Ingram, Vitals, 6'7", 230. Uh, he's from Dallas originally. Uh, was a Pac-10 freshman of the year in 2022. Sherelle McMillan, I'm coming to you first, man. How did this develop for the Tar Heels and Hubert Davis and his staff? Uh Pretty much as soon as Ingram entered his name in the portal, I think he was someone of, of high interest to UNC. If you recall, Roy Williams uh, offered him, recruited him in the class of 2021. Uh, and I think there's probably another step that was going to be taken in his recruitment, but COVID happened. So he took a visit to uh, <laughs> the painful Carolina uh, loss, I think it was to Duke, uh, the, the double overtime game uh, with or maybe it was just overtime. Anyway, we don't need one. to go further. Just yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> that one. He was in that game uh, for the unofficial visit. He got a, a, an offer on the visit. And like I said, I think had there been a normal spring evaluation period uh, and summer evaluation period, UNC probably would have prioritized him a little more. But uh, there was an end of everything once once COVID happened. And a few months later, he committed to Stanford. So played well at Stanford, obviously there under former UNC assistant Jared Haas. Pac-12 freshman of the year. Uh, all his numbers kind of dipped as, you know, for a sophomore season. And it seems like he just wanted a, a fresh start outside of Stanford because they, they have struggled the last couple of years. And as I said, as soon as his name was in the portal, he was in immediate contact for UNC. Uh, I think they love his basketball IQ, his passing ability. And just in general, uh, we always talk about fit and how much they vet people for fit, for system fit, for culture fit, for family fit, for all those things. And uh, he was a match in, in all three of them. So uh, they started talking. Uh, like I said, the night of, uh, he entered the portal a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he had a conversation with Sean May, had a conversation with Hubert Davis, uh, multiple conversations. They had an in-home visit this last Sunday. Uh, so six, excuse me, last Saturday. So a week ago. And from there, set up an official visit. He was on campus for about 24, 25 hours, Wednesday to Thursday. Uh, I guess the visit went really, really well because uh, here we are today with an announcement two days later. And just to give some of the stats from Harrison Ingram, uh, averaged 10 and a half points, uh, just under 40% from the field, 31% from three, 
but six rebounds and three and a half assists a game for a guy at his position. You like those assist numbers, um, and, and you know obviously North Carolina values players that can rebound from every position. Sean, the first question I want to ask you is. Harrison Ingram, a 4-3 or a 3-4? Because I know that's a question a lot of folks around uh, the Inside Carolina subscriber base have been, have been asking. I may have even posed that to you off the air one time, but I want to ask you first before we get into the analysis of his game, 3-4 or 4-3? Uh, I think he – mostly I'd say a 3-4. I would lean that. He, he played a lot of three at, at Stanford uh, given, given their two bigs. But I think whether it's a 3-4 or 4-3, he has the size – he has a size to, to, to play either um, and especially to go up the power forward. But I think unlike a lot of the normal three, four, four threes that we're discussing, I think he, he fancy, you know, he loves to have the ball in his hands. Uh, I think point forward has been used to describe him in, in AAU. He, he pretty much, he was the point guard, um, whether he was playing, playing up a year as a 16 year old on, on the 17 year old team. And then, um, you know, didn't get as much with, with COVID, but, I think I go three four, but um, put an asterisk noting that that he he loves having the ball in his hands and, and is more of a point forward than a traditional three four four three. So how does Ingram make North Carolina better? What do you, what have you seen in his game? I know you're you're probably going to have a, a a video review up sometime soon. I'm assuming for for Inside Carolina, but what have you seen in his game that instantly makes this roster for Hubert Davis and his staff better? I think it's, uh, you know, for him, it's not a, as easy to slot in and say, hey, this is this is how he's going to uh, fit into Hubert Davis's offense or defense because uh, he's more, I think you have to be creative with how he's how he's utilized. But the one thing that he's going to help with is just ball movement and getting getting guys open looks or finding guys for open looks, especially the shooters that they're putting um, putting on the team to go with RJ Davis or Armando down low. Cheryl mentioned his assist. Uh, numbers earlier and I think his assist percentage at Stanford last year was higher a little bit higher than Kobe White's uh, going back to 2019 and I think possibly uh, the highest since Kendall Marshall Um, although Kendall would obviously blew everybody out of the water but I think that just goes to show hey he's he's uh, a very willing passer he's he's a strong passer has good vision he hits guys where they need to be hit and once again, I think this goes back to his high school days of, of playing, playing point guard. And I was able to watch him both the summer of 2018 uh, at the Pangos All-American camp, where his dad actually asked, uh, do you think he's good enough to play at UNC at, at that point in time? Uh, and then 2019, where he, he had an incredible, uh, it was either the semifinal or, or final game at one of the Adidas tournaments. And he, he started off getting his teammates involved before he took over scoring. So the, the passing has always been natural to him. Uh, and he's not going to be a guy that is trying to take 15, 20 shots a game. So the passing, I'd say, is easily the, the main quality that will help UNC right off the bat. I want to stay here for a second, Sean. North Carolina fans may see him, and I know you love player comps, and I say that sarcastically. May see him in a little bit in the Theo Pinson mold. Is that accurate or not? To uh, in terms of the passing uh, and the and the size, but not the uh, the athleticism. Def, uh, definitely not. But I think in terms of the size and being able to handle the ball at at at, at three position, I think that makes makes a lot of sense. Um, not the strongest of outside shooters as well, but I think Theo is a much better slasher attacker where. Ingram is a little bit more methodical when it comes to that. 
for a guy that doesn't shoot as well from the perimeter, you know, he he does have the ability to score in different ways. Give us some ideas of what those look like. Well, yeah, I think I think his his numbers, whether it's um, three point shooting or you know, you can look at his free throw shooting has uh, was average at best, maybe a little sub uh, subpar freshman year was was not great as a sophomore. So the shooting is definitely a concern. Um, you know, it's not like he just, he can't shoot. Uh, he had 30, uh, his, his numbers were pretty much similar, both, both years hitting around 31 each year and he can hit from, from deep. Um, but I, I think that, you know, freshman year teams would play off him a little bit. We saw what, what, you know, how that has bogged down UNC's offense the past two years, but he can hit them. His, he did have a, uh, you know, a good synergy number this year on, on spot up. So I, I do think there's some tweaks that can raise the percentage. Um, we're not talking like a Cormac Ryan up to maybe 40, but maybe up to 35%, I think would be realistic. Um, in, in terms of what he likes to do, as I said, methodical pick and roll, uh, good vision, but he's not kind of a quick ball mover. He, he likes to probe the defense. Uh, if he, if he's catching on the wing, He's going to try to use his size to almost back you down, similar to Pete Nance, although a little bit more, I'd say, dangerous doing that because uh, he he does have definitely more agility in, in terms of that. So not a, a direct comparison, but he's going to try to use his size, back you down uh, and, and get a shot in the mid range at the rim or, or a kick out uh, or use the pick and roll uh, coming off of that. But he's not a guy that's going to blow by you off of off of, uh, you know, first step or or one move. So it, it is a little more methodical. Yeah, Sean, you were talking about the uh, Theo Pinson thing, or I guess Joey was, and then uh, the assist rates. I'm just looking back through Ken Palm numbers, and one thing that people like to track is uh, assist rate. I think you harped on it a little bit before, Sean. That's basically like how many assists an individual uh, is accounts for um, while they're on the court. So in conference play, which is probably a more a better sample, uh, Theo Pinson his senior year, which the year he played a lot of point forward, his assist rate was 27.4. And for Ingram last year, he was at 28.8 in conference only um, stats. So that's that's really good. You consider how well of a passer Pinson was that year, how much he had the ball in his hands, and Ingram's rate is a little bit higher. Uh, I think another thing you see is they were both, excuse me, really good rebounders. Uh, you look at their offensive rebound percentage and defensive rebound percentages, and they're not dissimilar. Pinson offensive rebound was at 6.7, uh, which is top 25 uh, in the conference that year. Defensive percentage was 18.5, which was top 20 in the conference that year. And then you look at Ingram, he was at 9.5 offense, top 10 in the Pac-12 last year. And defensive rebounding was at 18.4, which was top 12 in the Pac-12 last year. So there are some similarities. I think uh, the the main deficit for Ingram is just his shooting percentages. Uh, I would say they are below average in you know each range, free throw, field goal, and three point uh, percentage. Uh, and if I'm stepping on your toes, Joy, with the question you might ask, I apologize. But I do think um, the North Carolina staff's thought is that having R.J. Davis and having Armando Baycott will open things up for him a little bit more. And that some of the shots that UNC missed last year that were open or that were created by others that Ingram is capable of knocking him down, he just didn't at Stanford because he was higher up on the scouting report. Um, now, whether or not that's not going to happen, we'll see. But I think that's kind of what the UNC staff is, is banking on. 
I want to go back to something we talked about with the Cormac Ryan show the other night. Uh, Sean, we harped on North Carolina's ability for the ball to be stuck at times this past year. If you look back the season before last, when they were at their best, it's because Brady Manick was really good at keeping the ball moving and keeping things flowing. Now, we talked about with Cormac Ryan the other night, his ability to pass and, and how it might be a little bit of an underrated part of his game. We just got done talking about with Harrison Ingram the fact that you know he's averaging three and a half assists per game, and Sherelle gave you the the way that breaks out as far as ranking in conference. Um, I think what North Carolina has essentially done with these last two transfers is made a better passing team. And if you've got a team that moves the ball better, it should you know be that rising tide that that lifts all ships, right? Uh, to where it should improve everybody else's uh, field goal percentage, if nothing else, because they're getting better shots. Sean, do you feel like that's a, a logical assumption to make, or am I stretching? Is that just a bridge too far? No, I mean I th- I think that was a a big issue. I mean a tremendous issue this year from just the ball not moving. Um, I think the one concern with Ingram is that the ball doesn't move quickly because uh, as I said, he does like to probe. But once again, I think he's really a pass first type of guy. Over the last 10 Pac-12 games, he scored every game was between 11 to 15. So I think from a ceiling, that's what you're going to like in that in that range is is what you're going to get. But once again, from a passing perspective, I think, uh, you know, especially who who they're putting around him is, is, is huge because if you're kicking out as we saw this year to guys that aren't true threats, it doesn't really <laughs> make much, much of a difference. But if you have RJ, RJ, Ryan, uh, Withers, and once again, you know, Dunn, et cetera, I think those that that'll make everybody, everybody's lives easier uh, by not only getting open shots, but being able to hit those, hit those open shots. Um, but once again, just we'll be curious to see how Ingram is, is fully utilized in this offense uh, you know, in some of the Stanford games, he, he was pretty much on the wing and it would take a while, you know, and he, he probably wasn't put in the best situations at times where that did cause a lot of uh, getting the ball in the wing, trying to trying to back down, et cetera. Um, so they're able to almost use him as a secondary ball handler, uh, free up RJ a little bit at times. I think that could be that could be very helpful. Sherelle, one of the things you've done a great job about doing since this portal season has opened, for lack of a better term, is helping folks understand you know, the, the length of the process, the context. We said it really well the other night after the Cormac Ryan commitment. I'd like for you now to share how do you feel like North Carolina has improved? Because this guy sees that they've improved based on what they've lost versus what they've brought in these last couple of days. Do you agree? or you know, And if so, how? Or do you still feel like it's, it's, it, there's a long way to go? I recognize there are scholarships open, but if you wouldn't mind, just, uh, just dig into that a little bit for us. Yeah, I, I kind of hesitate to, to do a progress report at this point. Uh, I, I think it's not Father's if, Day. That's fair. Yeah. If you talk about what they set out to do, um, I think you can kind of judge you know, on your own. They wanted to increase the team's basketball IQ. They wanted to become better at shooting. They wanted to add talent, and they wanted to – improve the team's overall athletic profile. Um, I think those were kind of what we gleaned and, and what we heard were the uh, goals of the offseason. So I'll let individuals kind of judge that for themselves. Um, but I do think the shooting shows up the most so far. Mm-hmm. That is definitely something that uh, they had to improve upon. I think 
it's been said pretty much every podcast for the last 12 weeks now, maybe 20 weeks. I don't know. It all runs together. North Carolina can't shoot. North Carolina was a historically bad shooting team from three-point uh, range last year. And so that just has improved with the way basketball is played. You're going to be taking a lot more um, of those shots, especially with the way that Heber Davis has kind of styled his offense. And it, it's funny. I was looking at a box score from a random game in, in 2018, 20, the, the last, the Cam Johnson, Luke May team, their senior year, that was the number one seed. And they beat the brakes off somebody by like 30 points and they took 13 threes. And I'm just like, that is such a change just in the last five or six years, not just in how North Carolina operates, but how bo- basketball operates. I can't, mm-hmm. I can't tell you, I, I, I'm going to go look it up now some, at some point today. That's mm-hmm. probably the last time Carolina has taken 13 or less threes and, and won a game, I would imagine, just because that's not how they play. So I say all that to say is that the three-point shot is integral to everything that really everybody in college basketball wants to do. So if you can't shoot, you can't push tempo, uh, you, you can't really get Armando Baycott involved. It hurts your defense because you're always in trend, you're always playing transition defense. You never get a chance to set your defense. So a lot of it goes hand in hand and it's kind of cyclical. So if you can shoot, uh, you know, that gives space for Armando Baycott, that opens up driving driving lanes, that gives you a chance to get back and set your defense so you're not always on your heels, um, so to speak. So that's why I think it's really important that they've attacked that. But, uh, you know, we'll we'll see. Uh, The portal is open for another couple of weeks. And uh, I don't think anyone should look at this as a final roster (laughs) again until. I love you for that, dude. No, I mean, because it's like we we can't tell folks to be like, hey, don't don't get sad because they don't have any commitments right now because it's June. And then say, oh, okay, they've got four commitments. All is good. Yeah. You know, we, we, we don't know that. Uh, we have to wait until June to see what the final roster is going to look like because there still could be movement in and out. We just don't know with the way the portal works. And I should have done a better job of asking that question, but I think it, it, more so I just look at kind of the angst that was around folks even as little as, as a week ago, right? And, and now it's <clears throat> now people, okay, there are two new guys that have added to the program since the last and, time. And, and Joey, like, again, think about it. Jalen Withers committed. Mm-hmm. It's been 14, 13 days now. Or he committed. Like he, he committed around uh, Valentine's Day, I believe. Yeah, it feels like it's been <laughs> weeks and weeks and weeks, and it's. I think it's barely been two weeks. So. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh, two more things, and I want to get out of here. Sherelle, some of the feedback we got from the show the other night about Cormac Ryan was that he's a guy that probably wouldn't mind jumping someone's ish in a huddle if need be, or in practice being able to be that vocal leader. Um. How does Harrison Ingram fit? maybe with personality to this team. You know, I, I think that's one of the things folks are looking for is, is what are the, the intangibles? What are the other, I guess, the other skills that aren't necessarily basketball related that will help him acclimate himself to this locker room and to, to the roster that, that he's joining? Well, he's probably the first player in the history of basketball to have Howard, UNC, Harvard, Stanford, and Purdue on his final list. So, of those, I would say, I, I really all of them have high academic reputations. So I think that tells you just about what they value. His family, his sister is going to be playing volleyball at Duke, um, a, a great school. So that tells you kind of what they value. So you, you know that you're getting a smart kid who's going to listen, um, who knows how to you know play the game. Just, a, a, again, high basketball IQ. Um, so I, I think you know you're getting that. Uh, one thing on a team, you don't want to have the same of everything. Like, 
I know people are like, oh man, it'd be amazing to have 13 Rasheed Wallaces or 13 Jerry Stackhouses, but <laughs> that's the only exception is 13 Rasheed Wallaces. Yeah, yeah, you you don't you don't really want that team. And I know people also say they want, oh, I would love 13 Marcus Pages. Like, yeah, but you don't really want that. You need a good blend of, you know, guys who maybe uh, play to the edge of the whistle. Some people might call them jerks. Some people might call them other names, but you need some of those. And then you also need people who are calm and poised and. Uh, you know, kind of stay even killed. You also know people who are fun and relaxed. You need a good mix in the locker room. I think Ingram will help to add to that because, you know, Ryan and, and Wojcik, we know, are, are fiery guys. I think we know that Baycott and Davis can be, but they're kind of more even killed. So you just, again, you just want a, a good mix. We know that Wilcher is going to come in and be a, a fiery guy. I think High will come in and be a fiery guy. So I, I feel like they have a, a good mix. And uh, Ingram probably is in that more even killed sense. Uh, but just because he's even killed doesn't mean he's not, you know, a competitor. I think if you watched him play, you can see the competitiveness uh, from him. Last question, Sean. What do uh, Harrison Ingram's initials spell? I don't know what his middle middle name is. So what, I... are, what are the initials that we know, Harrison Ingram? What does that spell? Hi. Hi. And yes, we want to make sure we say hi to our friends at Johnny T-shirt before we get out of here. Uh, we're big fans of theirs. Appreciate them sponsoring this show, even in an emergency edition. Uh, be sure to go by and check them out if you're in town for the. Boston College Baseball Series, hit them up East Franklin Street in Chapel Hill. If not, check them out online, johnnytshirt.com. We're thankful for them and thankful for you guys for tuning into the show today. We appreciate Sherelle and Sean for bringing what they bring. Shout out to Tommy for producing us. Um, this has been an emergency edition of the Coast to Coast podcast. Harrison Ingram, transfer from Stanford by way of Dallas, uh, is going to be joining the Tar Heel basketball program. We'll talk to you next time, anytime there's news to break, and we will have our regular edition of the Coast to Coast coming to you very soon. Uh, Sherelle is out covering some uh, some prep ball, as are other 24-7 and IC correspondents. We'll have all of that breakdown for you as the live period wraps up this weekend. Uh, but until then, I am Joey Powell. Thanks for being a part of this show, and we will catch you next time on the Coast to Coast podcast here on InsideCarolina.com. Late. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.